And today we're wrapping up the series on the schemes of uh, Satan. This has been a, a good series for, for me personally and I believe for our church. Next week we're diving into the Apostles' Creed, which is one of the, is one of the oldest, uh, it's the most well-known, but one of the oldest confessions of the, the Christian church. It goes back 1,700 years, was used for spiritual formation for many years, uh, and even today, it reminds us as we walk through that beginning next week, we're going we're gonna to be reciting it and remembering that we are people that are formed by, by our faith. We are formed and shaped by our faith. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as far as the scheme series, many of you have shared how you've been challenged and encouraged. Um, it's, been, it's, it's been interesting to hear some of your perspectives on things as God's been challenging you, waking you up a bit. Uh, there's actually been at least one, what I would describe as a demonic encounter uh, from a member that, that based on what uh, they described to me was a demonic encounter during this series. And there may be more out there. The good news is we don't have to be freaked out by this. That's not the message of the series. Hey, let's all get freaked out about this. It's just the opposite. It is awareness uh, of an enemy that we have victory over. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, largely. And so if you want to open your Bible, you can flip to Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be there in just a few minutes, but this series comes at a really good li- uh, time in the life of our church. I know other churches have been able to return to meeting weekly uh, earlier than us, uh, but we're, we're getting back into this rhythm together. Uh, we're, 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 we're resetting. It's also just been a difficult time for us as we, uh, over the last three years, City on the Hill's planted three churches. We've planted seven total uh, and three in the last three years, including one right before COVID, one during COVID. Right, so so we are we're a church that that is is in the process of resetting and re in my mind relaunching in September. And as we do that, it's actually really kind of exciting for me. I didn't plan this, but uh, if you I don't know if nobody was in here uh, was around in summer of 2010, but summer of 2010 before we launched in September at 10 a.m. on Sundays, we were meeting on Sunday nights. Our core team was meeting. And we were, we, were talk, we, were, we were growing deeper. We were imagining what Jesus could do through us. We were praying together, supporting each other. And I see this summer as God giving us that opportunity. I would love to be on Sunday morning. That'd be great. But, but in God's providence, he said, you guys are going to be on Sunday night. And I think, what a cool way for us to just recapture our roots as a church plant so that we can relaunch in September with a new passion and zeal for Christ. Now, as we do this, the enemy hates this idea. I want to say that. He hates it. He doesn't want us to reset. He doesn't want us to refocus. He doesn't want us to have our hearts stirred towards uh, loving each other, serving our community, and seeing Christ's name lifted up in Brookline. He does not want that. And so he wants us to settle into what's comfortable, what's easy. Uh, and, and he wants us to just sit back and relax uh, instead of pressing in. So uh, today we're going to talk about making more, making more on the enemy. And Revelation, as, as we get there, Revelation 12 I want to help you understand something. Revelation's actually not primarily about the future. I know that may be against what some of you were taught growing up or, or what your, your church taught you, but Revelation is, is actually just a revelation. You know what a revelation is? It's the revealing of something. It's revealing of realities and, and truths. And what, what this, this revelation is, it's apocalyptic. And so it's graphic. There's lots of images and ideas here that are meant to provoke us and awaken us. Um, but, but it's not primarily, Revelation's not all about what's coming in the future. There are things in there about the future, not saying that. I'm simply saying even what we're looking at today is not primarily future-oriented. It's about a reality that we find ourselves living in right now here today. 
And so follow along. I'll try to give you a few handles as we're, <laughs> as we're reading. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12, uh, so you, you, you're not freaked out by all the imagery. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels. So Michael being an archangel, we, we know there are classifications of angels. Michael's an archangel, uh, and his angels fighting against the dragon. Anybody want to guess who the dragon is? Satan. Yes, thank you. Uh, and dragon and his angels fought back. Who are the dragon's angels? Demons, right. Uh, they fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent, that's why we know it's Satan, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. That's a title, by the way. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And then skip down to verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman. Now the woman is, is both Mary and the church, okay? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the church. The dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. This is the word of the Lord. So this is the dragon, and he is making war. The language is graphic here. He is furious. He is, has great wrath, and he's making war. Now, we don't believe in that because we're all educated and have letters behind our name, right? And we're way too smart to think that the dragon is actually working in Boston, right? He doesn't, he, we all know from Scripture he leaves smart people alone. No. Uh, in fact, maybe intelligence and education is, uh, is the Achilles heel of his attack. Not that, we're, he, that God's against education, but that we, don't, we're, we often think we're not even in a battle because we dismiss the supernatural so quickly. We dismiss supernatural realities that could be affecting natural realities, which is what Scripture's teaching here. The dragon came to make war on us. He doesn't come and make war showing up in a physical being to attack us. He shows up and works behind the scenes in the world, as we've talked about through this entire series, his schemes. And unfortunately, our naive approach to this means that, that we are in a position of passivity. We don't ask ourselves, is there something spiritual happening right now? Has anybody actually begun to ask that in your life recently because of this series? You've begun to think, well, maybe my workplace and how I feel so oppressed there all the time and crushed by my boss is, yeah, he's a jerk, but maybe there's something behind it too. Maybe there's forces there. Maybe there are realities there. And I would argue, I know we can, we can blame everything on individual sin, but, but scripture teaches that Satan has set up systems. He's set up ideologies and ways of thinking that are in conflict. So while, while a demon may not literally be sitting on your boss, I mean, maybe he is, maybe you feel like he is, uh, it might be that he, your boss is so bought into demonic thinking that Satan has set up in this world that he is oppressing you through him. And Satan wants us not to see that. He distracts us 
with comfort. He, he, he leads us to think our discouragement is just because of COVID or we're just not getting enough vitamin D. Now, it might be. You should all take vitamin D, right? Or get in the sun. Well, you shouldn't, really shouldn't because it's bad for you, but you should all take vitamin D, right? Vitamin D is good for you. But it could also be something else. How quick do we jump to the natural explanations and completely ignore the spiritual? How often do, should, how often do we actually pray about the natural explanations? believing that there could be something behind them and realities. How many of us give ourselves to our jobs to worship there because we're getting our real identity and hope there? How many of us look at our marriages or look at marriages that are in turmoil and believe it's just because two people are broken? How many of us are, are, believe we're, uh, we're, we're just stressed out right now in life and that's why we can't pray and that's why we can't love others well and that's why we can't serve and that's why we can't tell others about Jesus? Do you see what I'm saying? Satan has, has come to make war and his best, his best weapon for us in the West is passivity. Simply remove any consideration of the supernatural and what do you have? You have people fighting a spiritual war with natural means. We have divorced our faith in God and faith in Christ from, from infiltrating our workplace and infiltrating how we do our job and thinking about interactions that God has given us there. It is his strategy. We look at things in our culture like racism and abortion and believe that it is merely a political issue that needs to be solved. Again, not against that. Politics is an important area for Christians to engage. But to believe that there's not forces behind these things is naive. We don't really think we're at war. We don't really think we have an enemy that will destroy us, that he is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. We don't really think that Satan is out after our family right now. We don't. We don't think that he is trying to kill our children. We don't think he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy our spouse. We don't think he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy our friends. We don't. In this series, I've been trying to awaken us to this reality that we would consider it, not be freaked out by it, but we would have eyes to see and eyes to see and by God's grace, go to war and fight well. And that's what this text really helps us to see is, is how we fight. And, and we fight here, we conquer is the language that's used here and actually used through Revelation, uh, the language of conquer in four ways. The first way is Faith in Jesus. It's by faith in Jesus. They stood, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. So by Christ, Christ, by faith in Jesus, by making Jesus the center of our faith. This idea of conquering is all over the New Testament and is always rooted in the gospel. Romans 8, 37 and 38. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now listen to the language Paul uses here. For I am am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, these are all spiritual terms, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We stand in the gospel. We stand in the gospel because of two things. One, the enemy will come to accuse you. He is the great accuser. We just read his favorite thing to do is to accuse you, accuse you of sin, accuse you of shame. And and we stand in the gospel. We say, no, Jesus 
did, Jesus ended my shame. Jesus ended my guilt. Jesus took my shame off of me. I'm free. And so we stand by the word, by the blood of Christ, by the blood of the lamb in this, in this text. We also stand against his deceptions because we have faith in Jesus. We see the truth and we stand against his lies. And I remember how, it, it, how our early church stood, how City on the Hill early in the early days stood. Many of you know I had, um, in 20, uh, 2009, during our core building days leading up into planting, we, uh, I had a cardiac arrest, and by God's grace, I'm fine now. But the, the, one of the interesting things about our, our church for that first year was it was marked by prayer. I remember the night that, that I had my cardiac arrest. I don't remember it, sorry. People told me about it. Uh, <laughs> I was in a medical coma. I wasn't, didn't know much. Um, but CGs that night, that, that were meeting that night, this is less than 24 hours after I had a cardiac arrest. I was in a medical coma. It was touch and go. They weren't sure I was gonna make it, weren't sure the church was gonna even exist that they've started attending and being a part of. And what did they do? They spent their whole time in prayer. Many of them pleading with tears, praying, not just for me, but for the church. And over that first year, I believe that God used that to build a foundation of prayer built on faith in Jesus, built on around the idea that Jesus wanted a church here. Peter says, be sober-minded, 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him firm in your faith. We have to resist, we have to fight. And that's, that's the problem, right? We, I think most of us would admit we haven't been fighting very much. We haven't been standing firm in the faith. We need to open our Bibles and start fighting. We need to start, we need to dedicate, not find time to prayer, pray, but make time to pray. Because Satan wants to destroy us. Satan wants to take this church out. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy every friend you have. He, that, that friend that you love, that family member that you love that is far from God. Satan wants to keep them far from God. And yet we have the power to conquer by the blood of Christ. I fear too many of us have been res not resisting Satan's schemes in our lives and have fallen under that numbing effect. It reminded me of my, um, <laughs> reminded me when I was in the hospital, I was waking up from my, my cardiac arrest. So it's, it's a little humorous. Uh, those of you that, and we have a bunch of medical people in here, so you know what it is. Um, but they gave me drugs that made me forget. So when I was waking up, I would wake up, Teresa would tell me what happened. I would go back to sleep, forget it all, wake up a few minutes later, she would tell me what happened, I would go back to sleep. This happened over and over and over again. It was like 50 first dates or uh, Groundhog Day, except I didn't know it was Groundhog Day. Uh, it was just happening over and over again. I, I laughed later, I was like, that must have been pretty funny. Um, but I remember the last time I woke up and I realized I was drugged. I realized I was under the effects of drugs. And I looked up at the IVs. I still remember all these IVs hanging there, which they had all turned off by now. And I just looked at Teresa. I was like, make them stop giving me this stuff. It makes me go back to sleep. I, wanna, I need to be alert. I need to be clear-headed. She said I got so mad because I wanted the drugs to be out of my system. I wanted to be awake. And I think that's what Jesus is doing for some of you. 
He's waking you up and you've realized Satan's handed you an ambient and you've just drifted off and you're waking up and I'm saying fight, fight to stay awake. Don't let the pull pull you back. I still feel it. I even feel it since the beginning of this series, the draw back to sleep. So we wake, we fight, we conquer by, by, by faith in Jesus. Secondly, we fight by living for Jesus. So faith in Jesus, now living for Jesus. Revelation 12, 11 says they didn't love their lives even to death. What an, what an image. I remember, I remember reading that years ago and just like it, it hit me. It just stopped. What does it mean to not love your life even to death? I think it means being so sold out for Jesus with your life that it doesn't matter what happens to you. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. We fight, we conquer by living for Jesus, by not loving our own lives and loving our own comfort. How many of us will be honest and answer the question, do you really love Jesus that much? Do you love Jesus more than you love your life? Or do we try to work Jesus into our lives? The enemy knows that when, when, when we have faith in Jesus and we're seeking to live for Jesus, love Jesus more than we love our own lives, that we have the power to conquer him. We have power to pray and, ha- and see God answer. We have power to go and share the gospel and see Christ do things. We have the power to lay down our lives in service to others and see things happen. And so he tries to keep us asleep. Throughout this series, I mentioned the Iranian pastor that believes that the West is under a satanic lullaby. I hope. One of my prayers, I was praying for us this morning, just, just asking God to move in our hearts and our minds. I hope. My, maybe my greatest prayer is that you would realize you've been under a lullaby. You've been under that effect. And, and, and I would argue, we, we can take it personally and we can feel like, oh, it's just been me. I've just been dropping the ball. No, it's all of us. That's the lie. Satan thinks it's, it's like you. It's you know everybody else. They're pursuing Christ. No, we have felt collectively that. I don't know why I'm sharing another illustration about me being on drugs, but um, when, when I had my wisdom teeth out, I had all four of my wisdom teeth out at one time. I do not know. I'm sure your doctors know what they gave me. Uh, I was awake, not alert, but I was awake, and I didn't care what they were doing. I think they could have pulled my arm off and beat me in the head with it. I'd have been like, just keep that stuff coming. This is good. Feeling good, right? It's, there's good medication. Thank God for good medication, right? <laughs> but, but that's how Satan wants us to be. As long as we're not disturbed, as long as we're not provoked, as long as nothing is upsetting us or waking us up, we're like... Just keep it coming. Give me more, right? And Jesus wants us to awake, awake to leverage our lives. We're invited to walk with God. Your career is not better than that. Your family's not better than that. Your money's not better than that. Your pleasure's not better than that. Your comfort's not better than that. Your approval from other people is not better than that. You get the, Jesus has bought you. He has given his life for you to redeem you so that you get to walk with him now and forever. 
What's better than that? And, and because of that, we can then leverage our lives. Yes, our family, our career, our relationships, all those things now come in under living for Jesus. But we've often relegated them to our own pleasure. You know, one of my favorite stories from the gospel is the, the Gerizim demoniac. If you know the story, Jesus comes and casts, they don't even count how many demons were in this guy. And like he was out living in the tombs and nobody could, could, could control him. I mean, you wanna talk about demon possessed. Like this guy was, was jacked up, entire life. Everybody's afraid of him. He, he, he was dangerous. He, he lived off by himself because that's what, that's what evil does to you. It isolates you ultimately. And, and Jesus delivered the, the demons out of him. And do you know the story? He sits down, he, it says, you know, the people from the town came out and he was sitting there in his right mind and they were like, what happened? And you know what he wanted to do? Do you know the story? You know what he wanted to do? Jesus was leaving and he went to go get on the boat with him. I, I wanna be with you. I wanna live for you. I want it my entire life. I have nothing, for, nothing back there. It's all for you, all for you. Go, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus says, you need to go and tell people what, I, what God's done for you. But, but I think about that heart to live for Jesus. Do you remember that? If you're a Christian, do you remember that in your own life? Do you remember where every morning he was the first thing that hit your thoughts? Do you remember that time where you couldn't wait to get to worship, you couldn't wait to get to church, you couldn't wait to sing, to, to pray, to fellowship with, the, with other believers? Do you remember when you longed to be in God's word, when you loved the time in God's word? Do you remember when prayer was like a second nature to you? Why does that have to stop? Why have we settled for some version of the Christian life which is a cheap counterfeit? instead of genuinely leveraging our entire lives and living for him. This is how we conquer, not loving our lives, even to the point of death. Thirdly here, we, we conquer by serving Jesus, by serving Jesus. The dragon is making war, quote, on those who keep the commandments of Jesus. And Jesus told them what the core commandments are, right? He boiled it down to two. Love God with everything you have, and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's service. That's looking at other people and saying, I wanna use my life to serve you. I wanna put you first, your needs above mine. I wanna love you, I wanna honor you, I wanna care for you, I wanna meet your needs. Do you know how counterintuitive that is in our city? It is a countercultural rebellion against the enemy in the city. For people to genuinely I'm not talking about serve, you know, people will kind of help people some, that's fine. I'm talking about inconveniencing yourself. As we reset this summer as a church, we're gonna simplify some things, right? It's good. We, we were a church, we actually got up to a church of around 300 people. I would guess, can't get everybody here yet, but I would guess we're a church of 200 people right now. And that's fine. We've been, we've been generous. People have moved away because of COVID. Some new people have come to join in. That's great. Size doesn't matter, but we're gonna simplify some things because we can't operate as a church of 300 anymore. But we're not simplifying to make it easy for us. That's demonic. If we're simplifying so we can be comfortable, that's demonic. 
If we are simplifying so we can create better space in our lives and energy to love our neighbor, serve our neighbor, serve the visitor who comes on Sunday, welcome the stranger into our home, that's what it means to serve like Jesus. But there's gonna be a pull. There's gonna be a pull, right? We, we, we're a mature church. We've been around. We're used to having things happen and it's used to just coming on Sunday and popping in and enjoying the music and listening to the sermon. That's not how this church started. We all served. Now, again, we're gonna simplify, but we're gonna simplify in a way that makes sense so we can serve, not so we can all just come and just make Sunday a whole lot easier for all of us to be able to just consume, consume, consume. Right? Amen? I love you all. (laughs) I'm telling you, Satan told me not to say all this. <laughs> Satan was like, don't say this. Church is just, we're just starting to try to get back together. We're just trying to heal. We just need to take it easy and relax this summer and try to just, you know, let, settle back into the status quo. I don't think Satan wants us, I don't think God wants us to go back to that. Yes, we need to make some changes. Yes, we need to think about things. But this church has never existed so we can all just simply enjoy it. The early church was marked by radical service. And this, is a, this kind of service is an open rebellion against the enemy, against the dragon. And we conquer by serving like Jesus. And that means this summer, serving with, serving with the, the, the meals in the park, right? It means serving with uh, the, the, the vacation, our, our kids' summer adventure this summer, right? It means... On September 1st, for the first time in a couple of years, we might actually be able to do a big move again where we go out with our community groups and help our neighbors move. We might have opportunities to be able to serve. And we serve in rebellion against the enemy. And finally here, we, re- we conquer by sharing Jesus. So faith in Jesus, living for Jesus, serving like Jesus, and then sharing Jesus. Verse 10, I love this. Verse 10, the salvation, this is a voice in heaven, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Let me tell you something. Satan is the God of this world, but he is under the dominion of God. God Almighty is ruler. And, and, and Christ is not under Satan's authority. This is not yin versus yang in this world. This is God has allowed Satan, and the scripture says right there, to have some, a little bit of time. And so he's angry and he's fighting and he's trying to destroy, but his war is lost and he knows it. But we, in Christ, have the authority to go out and make disciples. That's why Jesus said it in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Same language, all authority, and on heaven and on earth has been given to me, the risen Christ. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are declaring that Christ has come. We are declaring there is a king. And this king has given his life for others that they can know and have eternal life. Listen, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, in their case, that is non-Christians, those that are not believers yet. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
Sharing Jesus is fundamentally spiritual warfare. Praying for your lost friend, your lost family member, your lost coworker is fundamentally spiritual warfare. It is storming the gates of heaven to knock down the gates of hell. It is Jesus saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, that is not one through, through might. That is one through the spirit. One is, I had an interesting conversation with a guy, actually known him, uh, knew him in Kentucky. We hadn't talked in years, but talked on the phone the other day. And he was telling me that basically he's been out of church for 10 years, doesn't believe, not even sure if there's a God, he's an agnostic. And he was telling me about some friends that, that had like just really tried to pressure him to believe, really tried to pressure him to just, you know, you gotta believe, you gotta believe. Um, and, and trying to argue with him. And I said, and I remember just feeling released from having to do that. I was actually able to love him, answer some questions, and we're gonna stay in touch. Um, but he actually called me because he, he knew he felt like I wouldn't, he, he watched our live feed some, and he said he felt like I wouldn't try to manipulate him into believing. And I, and I just said, and I remember later getting off the phone and I was like, what a great feeling. I am not able to save him, but I know who can don't you know, he's, that guy's name's been on my prayer list since that day. And he's gonna stay on my prayer list because I believe God's working there. And God wants me to pray for him. And God has invited you to do that. Jesus has invited you to do that. And we have been bought into this idea that no one wants to hear about Jesus. No one is interested. A recent survey, though, found that 79% of those who don't go to church agreed with this statement. Listen, if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. But we all think they're gonna lose their minds, don't, don't we? If I start talking about Jesus, they're gonna lose their minds. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, wear the I Heart Jesus t-shirt to work, carry your Bible around, don't be weird. Um, I mean, Jesus might call you to do that if he does, God bless you. But, but you know what, engage in normal conversation and here, pray for the spirit to give you wisdom in the moment. And if you've ever done that, you know exactly what it feels like. You know what it's like. You're in that conversation with a person, you're chill, you're having lunch, you're whatever, and, and, you're, and God's kind of like, okay, talk to him now. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, I connect, my connection is bad. <laughs> but you feel in your spirit, and it'll just come out of the blue, won't it? Now's the time. Start talking to them. Share with them what you did over the weekend, right? Begin to engage. As we share Jesus, we conquer the enemy, and we conquer the enemy uh, we share Jesus through, I believe, through prayer and through sharing the gospel. Peter Wagner has uh, studied church growth around the world and spiritual warfare, said this about prayer. He said, God's purpose may be thwarted or it may be accomplished depending on, to one degree or another on the obedience of his people and their willingness to use the weapons of spiritual warfare that he has provided. God is powerful enough to win any battle, but he has designed things so that the release of his power at a given moment of time often is contingent upon the decisions and the actions of his people. A principal weapon of spiritual warfare is prayer, not just routine or mediocre prayer, but prayer powerful enough to move God's hand in order to determine the destiny of a whole nation. This is just a crazy thought, if I could get us all, every member, every person who calls City on Hill Brookline their home to do one thing this summer, every single day, one thing, 
would be to pray. To pray every single day. Pray, this is a bad, bad, I don't know why I'm on drugs today, but PCP. Um, Praise God, confess your sin, and pray for others. (laughs) If that helps you to remember it, help me to remember it. Praise God, confess your sin, and pray for others. You do that every day this summer. Do not tell me that God would not begin to move in our church in a fresh way, helping us to reset, helping us to reconnect, helping us to relaunch in September with a fresh vision and a fresh heart to see our town and those around us meet Jesus. That's what I think he's calling us to. That's my prayer coming out of this series. I'm gonna send you my notes in an email from today's sermon just to encourage you in that. God wants us to get in the fight, to be vigilant. Whatever has awoken in you, whatever has awoken in your friend, whatever has awoken in your community group, don't let it go back to sleep. Don't become comfortable again. When you start to feel yourself become comfortable, talk to your brother or sister in Christ. Talk to your community group leader. Say, hey, I, I'm, I'm just starting to feel like I'm settling right back into what used to be. Can we pray? Can we, will you pray for me? We need to support each other in this because Satan wants us to fight, face this all by ourselves, spiritual warfare on an individual basis. And yes, there's a dimension of that, but we are much stronger together than we are ever by ourselves. So let's pray for each other. Let's support each other. Let's do battle and fight and fight well against the enemy. Let's pray right now. God, I don't know what you're doing in hearts across this room right now. I I can't see into people's souls, but I I just believe you have been moving over the last month in this series. You have awoken many. You have stirred our affections towards Christ. And I pray that you would not let that settle. Holy Spirit, move even in this moment. Awaken us. Help us to see the ways that we have been deceived. Help us to see the ways the the enemy, the dragon, has, has, has gotten us to buy into his way of thinking world around us. Help us to have faith in Jesus. Help us to live for you, Jesus. Help us to serve like you, Jesus, and help us to share you with others who desperately need to know eternal life. I ask you to do this, not for my glory, but for your glory, for our good, and for the sake of our city, we pray.